Welcome to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. Each week, join Travis and Josiah as they provide insight into the print on demand industry and equip you with the tools, advice, and strategy you need to achieve success and hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Now, on to this week's show. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Print On Demand cast. Full disclosure, this is the third time we've tried to record this intro (laughs) because I am in Arkansas visiting family, not the usual setup, not the usual feel Mm -hmm. and vibe, uh, but we are committed to bring you quality content because we are your podcast professionals. So I'm in Arkansas (laughs) and I'm joined by Travis, who is in Colorado as always. Travis, good to see you, man. How's things going there at Make Your Mark Design? Things are going well. Uh, we're in the thick of, you know, kind of Father's Day orders. Uh, Father's Day's coming yeah. up this week. So over the weekend was uh, really, really busy. We had one particular product that really, really did well. And nice. uh, we sold a whole, whole lot of it. In fact, I just uh, text Jason, your partner over there yeah. at What For Apparel, um, if I could potentially come over and borrow some blank coffee mugs. So not sure if we're going to need to, but we might, we (laughs) might need to, I might be making that drive shortly, but, um, yeah, yeah, I heard, uh, he also told me you guys were, you guys got slammed over the weekend for a different reason. Why don't you tell the listeners about that? Yeah. So, um, the morning that we, uh, left to Arkansas, um, had a discussion with one of our clients who has, is the one that I refer to a lot as has gone viral and has been moving a lot, a lot, a lot of volume. Like the last two weeks of May, I think he sold $40,000 for the t-shirts um, wow. in the last two weeks of May alone. So now we're in a full month. And uh, over the weekend, he sold 57 pages of orders, which equates to probably close to 350, 365 individual wow. orders of which have That's multiple uh, quantities. Some of them have four shirts, five shirts. So, I mean, uh, like I would think that units wise, it's probably close to a thousand just by him by himself uh, over the weekend posted one video and uh, because of that and because of the increase in volume and because we want to house you know and and be his supplier um because there were some conversations of like hey i know you guys are are kind of maxed out we want to go this direction and maybe use another supplier to supplement and I i basically said look i don't want a portion of what you're doing we want the whole pie right so we are in the um the process of growing and expanding very rapidly, um, getting a, a new facility, getting some new equipment um, to be able to scale and house that and become his exclusive merch provider, which which will be awesome, and yeah. also give us more ability to um, uh, uh, upload or bring on a lot more accounts and handle that volume as well. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, doing a full time uh, full time sales and, and getting some more volume to justify the expansion beyond that one client, right? Because, right. you know, who knows, anything can happen. Um, crazy sure. things happen all the time. So we, we still need to be pursuing new clients and, and new people to work with. Um, yeah. But this is kind of the the thing that's kind of pushing us over this edge of that we've been teetering on for a while, honestly. So, um, I mean, Travis and I, you, you and I are believers. Um, so when I say this, you'll understand, I'm just letting listeners as well. But it's kind of an answer to prayer. Like, should we, should we not, what are we doing teetering mm-hmm. and then having this come along and, and, uh, help propel us towards that is, is exciting and, and terrifying all at the same time, which I know you are, um, familiar with as well. Like well, taking that where? leap, right. <laughs> of that the overhead and the staff members. And now it's like, okay, well, we yeah. got to drop, finalize these SOPs and we need an employee handbook now because we're going to be bringing on more people. Um, yeah. so 
lots of lots of stuff um, coming up in the next couple of weeks. And um, I, and to your, um, I'm sure delight, it would mean that we will not be relocating uh, from Colorado anytime <gasps> soon, as far as myself <gasps> and Madeline. Uh, so <laughs> be still my beating heart. <laughs> Uh, at least for you know six months a year, maybe as we're as we're kind of helping with this expansion and getting everything sure. settled, uh, it just doesn't feel right to kind of leave them in the lurch and be like, "Cool, I'm glad this happened. Bye." Uh, so probably <laughs> uh, not not a good integrity move uh, on our part. So, uh, but yeah, lots of stuff happening, and I think a, a, a future episode would be great to talk about growing pains, right? As far as in mm-hmm. a business and how you navigate them and. When do you when do you go? When do you not? What does that look like? The back and forth because it's something that yeah. you and I have both uh, experienced. We're experiencing currently, and it's something that you continue to experience in business. Right. But just how to like navigate that and do it in a way that you you are you're safe because there's always going to be risk right uh, involved. Yeah. But for us, it was we either take a risk and jump, or we say no and turn down hundreds of thousands of dollars of 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 merch sales from this one client alone. And I'd yeah. rather just take the risk and, and kind of see what happens. So, um, yeah. exciting stuff, man, exciting stuff. It's crazy. And it's terrifying all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually reached out to Jason yesterday cause I know you, you guys were talking about, you know, needing more space. And, um, I, I, I told him and I've told you there's literally a, a place two doors down in my same, you know, kind of it, I'm yeah. in a, I'm in a warehouse, it's like several warehouses. Think of a strip mall, but they're all warehouses, sure. <laughs> warehouses sure. and office space. And uh, so I'm on the end and like two down from me is is another space that's uh, really – it's a really great space. And I think you guys would, yeah. would really love it. It's pro- It might be a little too big right now, but sure. um, but yeah, I definitely – I definitely yeah. would love for you guys to be like right next right. door to me because yeah. I mean, the instead cool, of driving to go get those mugs, you just knock exactly. on the door and we just, yeah. <laughs> and that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to say. Like, um, there's a synergy that we have being, um, yeah. you know, being in business in the same business. And, and, and I, I think that that, you know, we could probably do a whole episode on that. I think the idea yeah. of, um, you know, this, we're all in this business, you know, we're all compete competitors and why would Travis and Josiah share this show, you know, to all of their potential competitors and all of that. And I think that, um, you know, while sometimes that, sometimes that mindset does creep in, I think for me, there's a jealousy factor. It's like, oh, well, they got this big client and I don't have that big, I have a different big client, you know, I just have different issues, you know, (laughs) but I, I think at the end of the day, I've resigned myself to, to not view you guys as competition, but there's a synergy that happens when you can kind of come into that mindset that I don't think, um, I don't know. I think the successful businesses, uh, you know, particularly in our space really understand that. And it took me a while. I think personally, it took me a while in business to not view other people as competitors. I remember when I used to do retail arbitrage, I'd get so mad when I saw somebody else scanning in the clearance aisle at the store (laughs) that like it was my store, you know, or what, and that's just so ridiculous, you know? Um, there really is yeah. enough business for us all. And, um, we really benefit when we share, uh, what we know with other people. Yeah. And so having you guys two doors down would just be 100%. freaking awesome. You know, we could, sh- yeah. cause I do some products yeah, totally. you don't do, you do some products I don't do. There's, yeah, you yeah. know, there's a lot of potential there. Yep. So, um, 
I'm just going to go ahead and, yeah. and, and tell think, you, Josiah, you need to take, you need to tell Jason to get his butt over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, I, I spent a lot of time yesterday looking at, you know, properties and spaces and, and Longmont, mm-hmm. Loveland, Firestone, you know, the, the surrounding areas. And, uh, and I think you're right. You know, I, I think sharing, and we've talked about this before on this podcast where, yeah, we're sharing a lot of information, but it's, we're just sharing the information because that's what we feel like we want to do. It's incumbent on the listener to actually do something with it. And the right. percentage of people who actually do something with it is low. Isn't very, unfortunately is very low. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, like with this whole, you know, our client that we have, you know, you do stuff, you do, you do UV and, and embroidery that we don't do right now. So when they come to us and say, Hey, can you do water bottles? Like, absolutely. And we can do laser engraved, whatever. And we have a guy, and that helps mm-hmm. kind of lift your business and ours. And it's the whole, you know, rising tide lifts all ships kind of scenario. So that, that's right. the, last week we talked about the conferences and the, and the trade shows. That's those moments when you make those connections with people who provide things that you do. So instead of being <laughs> envious, learn how to lean into their strengths and then they lay lean into yours. And it just becomes a very symbiotic and beneficial relationship, which is, which is of course the best case scenario for everybody. So right. I think, yeah, we should talk about that in a future episode for sure. But for this episode, yep. Travis, it's mm-hmm. the first time ever that we've, we're recording an intro before we've actually heard the interview. So we can't, yeah. we can't lead uh, where we might want the listeners to go, but we are, you are interviewing uh, your production manager who just so happens to be your son, Tate Ross. Tell us about yep. um, kind of what you're, you're envisioning for this interview before you've even conducted it. Yeah. I want to, I want to obviously, um, talk to him about, you know, print on demand and his experience yeah. in the print on demand industry. But I also want to sure. go, and I, we actually talked about this a little bit before we pressed record about how it might be interesting to interview different kind of positions in our, you know, respective businesses. Yeah. So he's my yeah. production manager. We, you know, we could inter- interview a production tech. We could interview uh, sure. Jason, who's an owner, yeah. you know, that, um, yep. And, you know, and just kind of see the different perspectives, but then beyond that, because he's my son, I think there's, you know, kind of a unique opportunity to just, you know, uh, talk about that, you know, and like, what's it like working for a family member and hopefully, you know, I mean, he's, he's 20 years old. So, you know, I I don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah, hopefully we can get some, some, uh, some honest answers out of him as, as his father actually, you know, interviews him, you know, hopefully <laughs> he won't pull any punches, you know, but, uh, and hopefully those, sure. if he doesn't pull any punches, sure. those punches won't hurt too bad, you know, <laughs> yeah. but we'll see, yeah, totally. we'll see kind of what we get. I, I I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to, we're going to do the interview in a few hours here and, um, he, you know, he agreed to it and, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. And verbal contracts are binding in the state of Colorado. So he has to do it now and get back out. Exactly. Uh, no, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to uh, what he has to offer. I know his knowledge and insight has grown exponentially since you have kind of taken the leap and, and have the space and all the new printing processes. And he's kind of the guy that kind of breaks them in or breaks them and then sees what you can yeah. do with them and kind of tests all them out. So because I am that person as well for what for apparel, I'm very interested to see what he has to say. Um, and his experiences. And I think it's going to be a really, really good listen. Um, so uh, without further ado, let's get to the main event of this episode, your interview with your son and your production manager, Tate Ross. It's the main event. Talk 
about your prince. They're sitting on the fence. This is a main event. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, really excited for this this main event of the print on demand cast. I actually have a very um, strong bond with our uh, current uh, interviewee, and uh, has he has a, a very uh, holds a, a, a precious precious place in my heart. Uh, welcome to the print on demand cast, Tate Ross, my son, my production manager. Glad you're here. Glad glad you uh, agreed to do this. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, you know, had a long day yeah. in the in the office today. Um, lots of frustrations, but you know, get to relax the last little bit. So glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, the cool thing is, is that when your boss says, "Hey, we'd be in a podcast," that gets that means you get to sit down for like you know thirty or forty minutes. That's cool. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, everybody kind of knows uh, Tate's my son. He's my um, production manager, and yeah, we did have kind of a crazy day a lot of stuff with embroidery and a lot of um conversations and we won't bore you with all the details but um tate why don't you take a minute and kind of share we always ask our interviewees to share their print on demand story and yours is kind of unique because you don't actually own a print on demand company but you've been around print on demand for quite a while so why don't you tell the listeners about that um so print on demand specifically um, started when uh, your original business, um, the Rossa Marketing LLC, transitioned from a more retail arbitrage style business to more print on demand. Um, I actually remember the first time I saw you making mugs. Um, I came downstairs. I don't know for what, but uh, you were in like the back corner of our basement with all this kind of like arbitrage trash around you with this tiny little Chinese mug <laughs> press um, and just kind of having to manually open it to see if it had cooked enough or not. Cause it didn't really have a timer that worked. Um, and then after that um, I can remember we did a lot of transformation of the business into, like I said, more print on demand stuff, mainly just mm-hmm. mugs coming out of the basement Um I can remember um, upgrading software and um, just kind of like learning uh, how to do the different things, uh, kind of like jerry-rigging printers mm-hmm. to work with mug paper and bringing up, you know, crates of mugs from our garage down right. in the basement to be sublimated. And then uh, would have been, what, like two years ago now, um, we moved to a warehouse in Longlot. Um, and that was when I started kind of taking on a larger role for you. Um, I was coming in every day, um, Monday through Friday to deal with the mugs. Um, and then we got like a kind of upscaled the production and, uh, added DTG at one point. Um, and I kind of learned that process there. And then, um, from there, I think, uh, after about a year, we decided, production wasn't going to be within the realm of possibilities anymore. Mm -hmm. So we closed up shop and turned everything kind of to a more outsource uh, thing. So I wasn't working for you for most of uh, 2020 um, and 2019. We left in February of 2020. Uh, We left the Longmont Mm -hmm. facility and you went back to working at the, uh, 
the the pool, the local um, rec center. You're a lifeguard, so and you teach lessons there. So, um, and then as as pretty much everybody knows, here I had an opportunity to to buy some stuff from Mike, and um, you came on as like a temp at first, right, for the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what my job situation was going to look like because of the COVID stuff. Um, but working here um, seemed to, I kind of fit right in because I already knew a mm-hmm. lot of the production stuff and I was able to kind of help out in Q4 because, you know, when you're trying to set up a whole new business during the busy season, you kind of need people that know what they're doing, at least somewhat to be able to kind of guide people. So mm-hmm. um worked really closely with all the temp workers and all of the the full-time people that Mike brought over um, to try to transition a little bit more smoothly. Um, And I think you and Mike and a couple other people liked kind of how I was trying to manage people, at least just in the sublimation department. Um, And that led to me getting the production lead job offering um, in January. So I took it and uh, took over production for all yeah so uh, it's interesting because uh, I remember m- both Mike and uh, Mike's operation manager Jackie who were here during the transition I remember them saying to me man you really should try to hire Tate full-time and not just on a temporary basis because they they saw you taking some ownership in even when we were just setting up with like the where the different you know racks were going to go to hold the stuff and you know you were just kind of um leading other people to say okay i have a system and here's how we're going to do it you guys go do this put it up here and we're going to move it and you know all of that stuff and i remember thinking huh yeah and and it's really interesting because because i i think and we'll get into kind of what's it like being in a family business or working with family members but I, you know i think be because you know, I see you every day, you know, I know you, I think a lot of those things I just took for granted or didn't notice them, you know? And, um, and then when I stepped back and I saw it through their eyes, I was like, you're right, this guy, he's, he's got leadership qualities and he's already doing some of the things that this new job, you know, would require him. So your, your current position at the company is production manager, production lead. Um, what does that entail? And, you know, what, why is that role so important to our operation here at make your mark design? So the, the role specifically is, um, basically to oversee all the production of every single department that Mm -hmm. we have here, all six of them, um, to understand them, thoroughly and understand each step so that um, if anybody were to leave or if there were any questions or if we need to bring in more people because the department grew, I would be the one that'd be able to step in and kind of smooth that transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I'm just responsible to make sure that all the orders that come in um, are distributed to their correct departments and that they're um, sent out within a timely manner. Um, and then on top of that all, you know, your, your other duties, um, just look like ordering things, making sure that, you know, inventory is Mm -hmm. kept up. Um, and that includes, you know, not only just the the actual products, but the maintenance items and the different things that, you know, require for the machines to operate like inks and stuff. Um, and then, uh, my more day-to-day stuff is heading up my two personal 
compartments, um, which currently are embroidery and laser. Um, but to answer the second part of your question, I think production managers or something similar is really important for anybody who's scaling up their operation to multiple departments or um, having multiple employees because you need somebody to um, be able to answer the kind of daily questions that come in rather than having to go and bug the boss all the time and then pulling him away from things like listings or acquiring new clients or whatever. Um, and then also just having somebody who understands the machines sort of hands on mm-hmm. is also super important because the last thing you want is kind of the situation we unfortunately found ourselves in with some of these machines is that they're here, but you don't really understand how mm-hmm. they work because some of the people that operated them left without documenting how they right. worked. Um, and so then you're, you know, sitting there with a $30,000 machine and <laughs> don't want to touch it because you don't want to break it, but you got to work with it because you have orders coming in. So yeah. um, that's what I think uh, operation managers. Yeah. That's been one of your, um, you know, one of your jobs has been to kind of do maintenance on machines and like help fix machines when f- machines go down and, you know, call vendors and get on the phone with techs and try to figure out troubleshoot different things. Um, another thing I, I, you know, I, I think you have uh, quite a large job. Um, you're, you're doing some of the office manager stuff, you know, because we don't currently have an office manager, uh, like ordering, like, re, you know, warehouse manager stuff, like receiving goods and checking them off and making sure that we got, you know, if we ordered 12 shirts, we want to make sure we got, you know, all 12 of them. Or if we ordered, you know, a pallet of mugs, making sure that, you know, all of the boxes are the right boxes and et cetera, et cetera. And then, like you said, you know, it, it, it's beyond just the products. It's also like the inks and the boxes and the bags and you know the labels that we print off every day and all of those things that you don't necessarily think about um but you know you you've you've not only been responsible for responsible for those things you've also like started putting in systems to you know like a clipboard on a wall every time you take a bag or take a box bundle you check it off and and so we know at this point we order it talk about um one of the things you did were the uh the Kanban cards and Kanban is, um, it's lean manufacturing. It's something that, uh, you know, there's we're, at some point we're going to have a whole episode on lean manufacturing, but it's, Oh yeah. He's holding it up here. If you're listening on audio, uh, you can't see it, but he's holding up a Kanban card that we created, um, to basically track our inventory in DTG. Why don't you explain what, what you just showed there, Tate and how you came up with that? Um, it's essentially just a card that has ordering information on it. Um, so we have one of these for every single product that we currently stock. Um, so the descriptors are the type of product. So on this one, it specifically says standard Mm -hmm. t-shirt. So that's our base one. Um, it says the color and then the size. Um, and then underneath that we have these placement and order amount Mm -hmm. numbers, um, so basically, we put the product on the shelf, you fold them up nicely, and then wherever the placement is, you put the common card in the stack on top of that number. Um, so for example, for this one, it says placement two. So you would go up to insert the common card there. And then as you're pulling the product, as soon as you get to that common card, you pull it, you go add it to your order list. Um, and then on a day where we designate um, 
ordering time, which currently for us is Tuesdays and Fridays, um, they hand these in. And then on here, we have our four primary standard T-shirt suppliers. Mm -hmm. So these are different various variants and from different suppliers. But the idea is, is that I can just take a QR code scanner and it'll populate into my window. And then I can instantly order this specific product. Um, and then if for whatever reason that supplier doesn't have this product in stock, I can go mm -hmm. to the next one and order from there. Um, and then the thing that we added specifically to our business um, when compared to some of the other ones we were seeing was we added a Q4 order amount versus a standard mm -hmm. order amount because obviously during Q4, you're going to be flying through product a lot more quickly. Yeah. So to prepare for that, rather than having to print out a million <laughs> more Kanban cards and laminate them all, we just added that. So it's a nice way of keeping track of what you have in stock and what you need to order rather than just trying to remember it all and write it down on a piece of paper. Right. And then inevitably, you know, you forget something and then an order doesn't get fulfilled and you have all that can of worms you yeah. have to deal with. So you're, I mean, you're definitely, you know, a busy person. Uh, when you come through the door, you've got a lot of stuff that you, that is on your plate. Um, but you've seen kind of both sides. You've seen like the sublimating coffee mugs in the basement. And, uh, I would still love to, you know, go back and just kind of ask you what your thoughts were when you first saw your dad, you know, it's like, what are you doing? What, why do you, why do you have coffee mugs? And, and I mean, I'm I mean, I remember <laughs> the first day you came in with, uh, like, uh, it was like King Supers or something huh. like that with like a bunch of, uh, Barbie dolls in the basement. Arbitrage. I was in the basement sleeping down there cause we had, uh, grandparents mm -hmm. visiting so i got the boot out of my room <laughs> and i remember I, I was down there on my phone and you came in with all this stuff and i was like geez is jessa getting the, the best <laughs> christmas or what this year because it was just like these piles of just girl That's stories hilarious. um and i just couldn't grasp the concept that somebody would would buy something on on an online store for more than what we were right. paying for it but as time went on i realized that that convenience is worth a lot. It's it's worth a mm -hmm. lot. So yeah, um, when it comes to pretty much anything, so it doesn't it's not as so, shocking anymore. So take a minute and compare and contrast being in a home print on demand facility where I mean we just did mugs there, but uh, and then versus being in our current facility where we have like six different processes, we have employees. I mean, there's some pluses and. You know, there's there's some pros and cons to, to both of those, really. Can you speak to some of that? Well, I think the the main advantage of being in a facility versus a house is growth. Mm -hmm. um, I can remember just sort of kind of running out of space in our basement for everything we needed. Um, down there, as orders started to increase, as we listed more and more items, um, and you know, you have to take into consideration there's other people living okay. there. So you can't just be like, Oh, I'm going to put this shelf here. Um, you know, and then like, even back then when you're doing work, you want to be listening to something. Um, so I would play, you know, like music or podcasts over a speaker. And sometimes people would be like, yo, you need to turn this down. I can't think, you know, at all. Um, and, uh, I didn't want to walk around with, you know, a wire hanging off of me because it was always getting caught on some, you know, something right. down there. So 
there's just little things like that where you, you don't really think about them because you're like, oh yeah, it's my house. But here, you know, I'm running two embroidery machines that are as loud as a jet engine <laughs> and you don't think twice about it. So um, I definitely think the, the, the space, like having the separation of like, I go home now rather than I just go upstairs mm-hmm. and like I, I wake up in the morning and I drive to work rather than I wake up and go yeah. downstairs. Um, that is like a nice thing to have. It kind of separates it mm-hmm. mentally because there was that struggle of like, okay, I'm done for the day. It's five o'clock, but there's still orders that yeah. I could be doing. And then you kind of are sitting there on the couch and you're like, you feel yeah. guilty because you're watching a show or whatever. You could be making mm-hmm. money. Um, whereas this, it's like, okay, it's five o'clock. I'm going to go get in my car and I'm going to drive 25 minutes home. I'm not thinking about work until tomorrow morning. When yeah. I wake up. Um, which is something that I, I find is like a kind of like a luxury, mm-hmm. um, and enjoy. Um, and I don't know. I just think that it's, uh, it feels more professional, you know, it's kind of weird to say, but like, it's kind of like, uh, going to a high school football game versus going to like an NFL mm-hmm. game, you know, the, the feeling you have is very mm-hmm. different. It's, it's less laid back and, and casual and more like a, this is a serious process and I need to be putting on my work face, you know? Um, and maybe it's different for somebody who is employed by somebody who works out of their house. Cause you're still going right. to a home. But for me, at least when I'm living there, working there, <laughs> there's, those are some of the things that I kind of experienced. Yeah. No, that's good. Are there any, um, are there any pros you can think of like being like if you were in your house for, or maybe some cons to actually having a, you know, a facility? Um, facility wise, um, I think it's definitely harder to organize mm-hmm. because it, you know, the too many choices create indecision. Mm-hmm. I can remember when we first got our huge shelves that we just installed um, I probably spent two whole days trying to figure out how to organize these things properly just because there are so many possible variations. Whereas when you're at the home, you know, you only have a couple of spaces. So you just throw crap up there and deal with it later. Um, and there is something nice about being able to just be like, Hey, can I look at this product or Hey, can I have a mug made really quickly and just cool, go down to your basement, throw on the heat press something out and then boom you're done you don't have to think about it rather than like okay i need to like teams myself this thing so i can remember it and then set a reminder on my phone and then remember to take it home and Mm -hmm. you know um there is something nice about being able to just quickly go and deal with it and then not have to think about it um anymore yeah i can see that uh yeah there's that whole kind of con the you know the separation of work and home can be a blessing and it can be a curse. You know, I've, I've done the same thing. It's like mm-hmm. someone will email me on the weekends, you know, can you do X, Y, Z? And I'm like, uh, you have to email me, you know, uh, you know, during the week at my work address or, you know, send me a text while I'm at the office or there's no chance it's going to get done. Cause I'm not, I'm not in that mode right now. When you're at home, you can just like, literally scribble a sticky note and stick it on your work computer if you need to, or, or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, so there's, there's definitely some pros and cons. Um, let's talk about, you said you do, um, embroidery and you do laser. Um, and of course, you know, Mm -hmm. you also 
can do and have done DTG, sublimation, UV, vinyl, all of the other things, because that's part of your job. But those are your, right now we have other people to do those other departments and you're focusing on embroidery and uh, laser, except when, you know, somebody calls out sick or we get slammed in a particular department. So um, what is your favorite printing process? And I'm just interested, you know, to, for our listeners, why would, why is that printing process your favorite? What do you like about it? I think I have kind of two answers for like a production Mm -hmm. stance. I love vinyl because vinyl is incredibly easy to correct Mm -hmm. and fix. Um, and it's all user done. So when you're heat adhesiving something, you have the ability to, adjust it, you know, you can peel it up and tilt it. And it's not like any other department where you send it in the machine and essentially just cross your fingers and hope it right. comes back out looking the way you <laughs> want it to look. Um, so it's nice to have that. And it's also something that I feel like I can kind of passively do while I'm doing other things. It doesn't need a lot of attention. You set the job to run. The most intensive thing you have to do is sit down and weed, but that doesn't what take too long. Tell people about these weeding. weeding is when you separate the um, the adhesive from the actual um, material that creates the design. Um, so basically, the vinyl cutter will cut out um, the design, and then you'll remove the background, all the negative space, um, of basically. the sheet, all the negative space. Yeah, and then you'll have the design left over, and you place that on whatever garment you're going to heat adhesive it to. And then once you press it, it's sealed on there and you can peel the adhesive off. Um, So it doesn't take a lot of active thought. You can just quickly grab the Mm -hmm. garment, throw the thing on there, press it, and then you can go do something else. Um, And it's something you can bang out pretty quickly, uh, which is always nice to be able to have like a department that you don't have to sit down and spend six hours, you know, setting everything up and doing everything and then tearing down. It's just a couple of quick turn-ons and then you're basically halfway Mm -hmm. done. Um, but for me personally, I really like working with the laser machines because um, I think those have a lot of cool things that you can do with them. There's a lot of cool applications um, and possibilities. Um, and we have two pretty strong machines too, um, relative speaking. So there's more options that we have than even somebody who is just getting into laser and buying like a 20 watt or a 30 watt laser. So we can cut and do all sorts of cool things and it's fun to experiment with that stuff and kind of refine the process and then make something really really unique that i personally haven't made before yeah i I think one of the things that we didn't talk about that you do a lot of is is kind of r&d you know research and development or as uh uncle mike likes to say research and destroy because that's basically what you're doing when you're (laughs) researching and trying to find new products you're just basically messing stuff up and trying to figure out a way that you can get to where you don't mess it up anymore and you can be consistent and and put out Mm -hmm. a, a consistent product um you know you were testing some i i actually talked about it on the show you were tech tech testing some twill and 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 how you kind of came across that and um on i think i don't know on on the internet somewhere and you were like oh that's that's cool and um we had some material that mike had purchased previously and was going to do some testing and never got around to it and so you just took it upon yourself to just jump in there and start testing and and um 
And, and you used the laser. You can also, I guess, with this stuff, you can use a vinyl cutter and uh, there's a lot of different things you could do with it. But um, yeah, I think uh, that is a fun, when you have the freedom to, or when you have the time, I guess, to do, you know, some of that R and D um, that can be, that can be pretty, pretty fun actually. Um, you know, I mean, I think the, the challenge is to be able to, you know, as a business owner, for me, it's, it's being able to make enough money to where you can allocate, you know, somebody's hours to doing that, because that is, you know, that's not being paid for, <laughs> you know, by orders, you know, yet now it's, it's, you're investing in the future. Uh, but that's what it is. It's an investment as opposed to, a you know, more of a, we're producing things that are actually being paid for. And, you know, we always talk about POD being, you know, the beauty of it is that you don't have, you know, the product doesn't exist until there's an actual order. Well, that's not the case in R and D, you know, it, you have to, mm-hmm. you have to be able to do it before you can create the listing or, or tell people that you do this thing. And during that time, you are creating products that aren't going to sell and are not, you know, are costing you money and time, uh, and cut and time, time and materials. And so somebody has got to pay for that, but it's, it's that, you know, you have to do that in order to actually sell the thing. I mean, how many mugs did we burn in our basement before we were selling a lot before we moved to Logma before we moved here, you know? So, um, so yeah, I love the fact that you enjoy R and D and it's something that, you know, when you do have time, uh, having you and Mike here last week, kind of you know, bouncing ideas off each other. That was really cool. So, um, I think that's important to be able to, to continue to have that as part of your job. So tell me something, um, about the print on demand business or even about our business, um, that you really like something that you think, Oh man, this is really cool. I really appreciate that we do it this way or that we do you know, this thing or whatever it is? Um, I definitely think it's the, the cross training between departments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really helpful because it takes pressure and stress off of me personally having to know everything because if somebody goes out, but I still have other stuff I need to do, there's a chance that somebody else already knows excuse me, somebody else already knows how to do this thing. So having the ability to have multiple people understand the same process and be able to repeat it and whether that's they've already done it or it's as simple as, hey, read this SOP and then you should be able to do this process um, for product that we've already, you know, made a hundred of. It, it helps out with just, you know, the confidence of like, okay, I have the ability to do all the things that I need to do and not worry about, Oh, this department's getting ignored or this process is getting neglected and and these orders aren't getting fulfilled because that's definitely a pressure I put on myself to make sure that all the products are shipped in a timely manner. Um, And when that doesn't happen, it, it, you know, is stressful to try to get everything caught back up. Yeah, it is stressful. Um, Okay. We'll, we'll, turn that question around and I know, you know, you be, you actually work for me, but I'm giving you permission to really be honest here. What is something that you would like to change about 
um, our business here. I mean, the easy cop out is not do POD embroidery because <laughs> um, that is just insanely difficult to be consistent with. But I mean, I think personally, it. I would just prefer to have more communication between everybody more because I think it's really easy to get tunnel vision on your own department and just only do those things. And I am even guilty of this myself where I'm like, okay, I have a lot of embroidery orders and a lot of laser orders and I got to get these out. And you don't think about what are the other departments doing? You know, are the other machines running correctly or Eh, this looks okay. I'm just going to send this because I have 20 more orders that I need to do. And, you know, it's two 30 and I don't really care. So, um, definitely feel like having more communication between everybody, um, would it help with that? Because then it would allow for problems to be solved sooner than mm-hmm. later. Um, which as many people who are in this business know, a small issue can quickly compound itself into a larger issue that um, you wish you just kicked in the butt the first time it, you know, came around. Yeah. So um, do you have any thoughts on, and I know I'm putting you on the spot and if you don't, that's fine. Do you have any like thoughts about how to accomplish that or how to go about having better communication in the organization? Um, we are currently having like the monthly meetings. Um, but I think, increasing the frequency of those might help okay. with everybody, you know, um, and just having a sit down and being able to talk about that. Um, one thing that I've thought about in the past is if everybody is kind of up to date on four out of the six processes, we could rotate people potentially mm-hmm. even so that, you know, something that you're kind of brushing under the rug, somebody else notices and goes, okay, we need to deal with this, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, because, or you take more responsibility for that problem because you're like, okay, next week, so-and-so is going to come in here and be dealing with this. So rather than throwing it off on them, let's try to start dealing with this now and, and, you know, kind of get the ball rolling at least. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, having some, some kind of culpability in, each process rather than just being able to ignore the yeah. problem until it becomes yeah, bigger. It definitely obviously helps with cross training as well. You know, it, it increases people's knowledge of all the different departments. So well, that's good feedback. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't planning on this to be, you know, like, what should we do as a business? But, you know, I'm always going to take the chance or I'm going to take the opportunity when it comes. Um, okay. So let's, let's address the, the elephant in the room, the fact that you're my son and I'm your dad. And, um, you know, is it weird having working for your dad, you know, and do you, is there a, a son hat that you put on and a employee hat that you put on? Do you have to switch them? Um, how do you feel about that? What are some pros and cons? Um, you know, or are they all cons or what, you know, what, what are your thoughts on working with a family member or working for your dad? Um, I don't know. I I think a lot of that is kind of worn off. You kind of get used to it because I've been doing this for three years, better part of three Mm -hmm. years now. So I think it was definitely more challenging when you're at home because it's very easy to just come and go and and kind of have passing remarks and and thoughts. And, um, 
you know, when you're starting out something, there's a lot more potential for error. I remember the first day I, I worked for you, like officially, the whole day went smoothly. And then you came downstairs to see how I was doing. And I pressed the mug upside down and then it burned. <laughs> um, so it was kind of, it's kind of like a, a weird process then. But I think now, especially now that we have a separate location, it's easier to be like, okay, here I'm an employee mm-hmm. and I'm trying to produce a product. And when I need something, I go to you and I like, Hey, I need, this as an employee. I want something as your son. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's definitely gotten more casual mm-hmm. for me. I don't know how you feel, but uh, it's nice to have that relationship as well, though, because then I can come to you and understand how you want things communicated to you um, so that I can get what I need out of it, but also communicate to you like the positives of like, even today, like we had a kind of a breakthrough on some of the hats that we were having issues with. I came and showed you and, you know, I don't know if you were somebody else, if I would have done that, um, if I would have just tossed it in the bin and send it out and not giving a, a crap about how it looked. Um, so there is that element that's sort of rewarding about it. I think. Have there been times when um, it's been weird or, you know, it's been like, oh man, <sighs> oh dad, you're, you know, you're being whatever you're being dad or that, that maybe you would not have had that reaction had I been your boss is, and, and has that been a problem or are you able to compartmentalize it? You know, like you said, just after a certain, certain set of time, it kind of becomes just the norm. Um, that like I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the, you know, the, the opportunity here to, to bad bash me if you need to. I mean, I know it's weird because, you know, we're looking at each other on a screen and you're literally in the other room, <laughs> but, um, I'm just, you know, I just want to see, you know, for our listeners, I, I, I want to kind of compare and contrast and, you know, let's, let's, uh, you know, let's talk about the kind of dirtier space you know, parts of having family members working with you. Cause for, I mean, for me, I have to def- definitely do that. And, you know, it's, um, and I know I asked you a question and, and, and now I'm, I'm interrupting your answer, but like for me, it's been, um, it's actually been, I think beneficial for me in that I'm able to, um, I know who you are as a person and I know your propensities, you know, in certain, you know, you, you're going to, if you see something, you're going to kind of see it this way. And so I can kind of, you know, try to present something to you in a way that you're going to see it, you know, or the way I want you to see it. And, but at the same time, there's a casualness because you're my son that I think I'm probably not as professional as I would, would be with another employee, um, you know, and so that's probably a detriment. So I'm just, you know, I want to know if there's, if there's anything similar on your side, um, you know, to, to what I'm experiencing. Um, I mean, it, it, I know just like when you had a a bad morning or (laughs) like something else is going on, there are times where I'm like, I know he's going to be thinking about this all day. So I'll try to avoid bringing, stuff up until like the next day um to try to not pile on and 
try to avoid compounding issues. Um, but there are times where I do feel like stubbornness can be frustrating because I, it feels like, uh, I'm trying to come at you with an employee thing Mm -hmm. and maybe you're viewing it as more a son thing coming to you. And then I'm like, well, this needs to happen or we need to do this, or this is my solution that I think Mm -hmm. is best. And that line does become blurry because you do consider like, would he be considering this more heavily if I wasn't, Mm -hmm. but it's never gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, screw this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Or like, I'm not going to deal with this or I don't care that the machine's not working. I'm just going to deal with it. Um, it's, it's always gotten resolved. Uh, Healthily. Yeah. So, well, I can definitely see that we could probably, you know, go to a shrink and, you know, uh, talk about these issues, but we won't do it in front of our audience. So <laughs> to spare them a little bit, but no, I think that you're, you know, you hit the nail on the head. There's definitely like times that those lines get blurred. You know, you have a suggestion and I'm sure that you're like, well, is he, is he, you know, disagreeing with my suggestion because it's a bad suggestion or is it just, he sees me as, you know, a 10 year old kid, you know what I mean? And so I'm sure that that is something that you, you deal with just because of our relationship. Um, you know, just like I just said, how sometimes I, you know, I probably don't veil my frustration, you know, with a certain situation or whatever, when you come in versus when another employee comes in, it's different. So, you know, part of that is my growing as a, as a leader and as a manager. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of present to our, to our listeners that, you know, um, working with family does require conversations and it requires being honest and upfront and, you know, it can blow up in your face. You know, we're, we're blessed to have, it not have done that. But I mean, we've had some pretty intense conversations. Usually they don't happen at work. They happen at home when we're talking about work or something. And, you know, um, you know, and you're frustrated with me, I'm frustrated with you, but that's, I think, again, compartmentalizing part of that is just the father son relationship and, you know, me allowing you to become a man and, you know, all of that stuff. So we won't, you know, we don't have to continue to get into all of that, but I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good to, to share that with the listeners. So, um, you being in print on demand, uh, for, you know, the last, like you say, two, three years, kind of off and on, um, and seeing where we were, where we're, where we've come, um, you have a unique unique perspective on print on demand. I want to ask you our crystal ball question. And this is basically just you gazing into the crystal ball and saying what you think the future of print on demand is. Um, I mean, just looking at all the trends and what I personally enjoy about the products that we make, like if I were to go out and buy something, what I would be looking for I definitely think there's going to become an increase in the market for personalized Mm -hmm. items versus generalized Mm -hmm. items, which can be applied to any product. Um, I mean, just from my own experience, a lot of uh, Mike's stuff follow a very set rule set, um, you know, one word or one phrase, and they just slap them on all Mm -hmm. the products. But to me, it's like, 
let's make designs that are specific, uh, specified for these kinds of products and really try to hone in on like the uniqueness of this specific product or allow people to choose what they want to put on the design um, and kind of give them something that feels more personable. Because I mean, for our personal designs as make your mark, we, we do a lot of kind of gimmicks and gags Mm -hmm. and stuff that kind of poke fun or prop up somebody for like a hobby or something. And so being able to add like a name to that or um, like a specific location or something like that could be really cool. And I think that would drive a lot of sales. So I think for people who are getting into this, you know, don't fall into the rabbit hole of let me open up the dictionary and just throw every word in this (laughs) font onto my designs. I think it's definitely going more towards a, how can I make this product feel like it's a unique individualized product for the customer? Um, but also make it so that I'm not pulling out my hair, trying to organize who goes to where and, and what product, you know, this person ordered and, mm-hmm. and all that. Okay. So, yeah. I think that's cool. Answer. <clears throat> well, Tate, thank you very much for, I know this was kind of last minute. I just sprung it on you, um, you know, yesterday and said, Hey, would you come on and talk, to the guests about, or talk to the listeners about being, you know, production manager and then the relationship, the father son relationship. So appreciate you, you know, agreeing to do that. And I know there's, it feels like maybe, um, you know, there's a potential for walking on eggshells, but, uh, I, I thank you for being, you know, as honest as you can and, and just sharing, you know, the actual truth of the matter. I know, uh, to our listeners who are watching on Facebook, you can see how much of a, uh, son he is. Cause you know, like Josiah always talks about me having all of the plans to, uh, you know, rule the world here to my left, I, um, or to my, I guess you're right. My left Tate has, uh, even more plans to rule the print on demand world, uh, in, in his office. It's pretty <laughs> funny. He's got like all these sticky notes and all this stuff, uh, big sheets of paper, um, on the wall and tech actually that's from our strategic planning meeting. He shares an office with Amy, our operations manager, and she stuck it all up there, but I thought it was kind of funny. So, <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well with that, um, I'm going to let you go. Thanks again for, um, being with us, Tate. And, uh, I'll see you when we both come out of the room. <laughs> all right. Thanks. Well, there it is a little father son moment had for mm. everyone to see and hear uh, nice bonding moment. No, um, Travis, is it, how is it for you? You talked about wanting to know what, it is, what it's like for Tate and you could touch us, touch on this in the interview a little bit. Like we said in the intro, we don't really know what's going to be said. Uh, right. And because we want to be transparent and truthful with you, our listener, we're not going to pretend that we know, but what is it like for you <laughs> employing your oldest son, um, you know, as your production manager and that dynamic as well? Yeah, I think, you know, um, I'm sure you will pick this up in the interview. Um, Tate is incredibly intelligent. He's, he's really smart. He's really, um, when he applies himself to something, he can kick some butt, some serious butt, like he will figure something out. He, if it's a puzzle, he'll put it together, you know, and, um, (laughs) he'll go get the resources. He'll figure it out and he'll try, try again. Um, you know, I mean, the the proof is in the embroidery room frankly you know i mean he knew next to nothing well he knew nothing about embroidery um and now he you know I, mike 
Uncle Mike was actually out here last week, and Mike even was saying how Tate knows more than anybody in his company, you know, and probably is knows more yeah. than anybody wow. in his company ever did about embroidery. And we've had those machines. Tate's been operating those machines for four or five months now. So you know, yeah, I tip my cap to 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 his uh, his ability, um, you know. But at on the, sure. the flip side of the coin, he is my son. Um, he's a lot like me in some yeah. ways. And so whenever you kind of have yeah. that, that there is friction there sometimes. Um, I, as the <laughs> sure. father, have sure. to learn how to best manage him and best like encourage him and yeah. And, and, you know, full yeah. transparency, I fail often. <laughs> I screw up. I say the wrong <laughs> thing. I, you know, I know the buttons sure. to push on him. He knows the buttons to push on me. So there can be some friction there, but sure. I think there's a mutual respect. Um, he sees the risk that, you know, I've taken in this business and, um, yeah. I see his, his ability and his strengths. And I think we both want each other, obviously we both want each other to succeed. And so, um, to me, yeah. the, the challenges are, um, are there, but the benefit of, of having that camaraderie and that, you know, um, right. that mutual respect for each other and, and mutual desire to see sure. the other succeed really outweighs, the challenges and 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 so right. yeah, I know that's a really long answer and uh, to that awesome. question, but um, no, no, that yeah, no, that, that works. That's, that's exactly what I was looking for uh, when when posing that question to you. So yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Tate. If you have any questions for Tate, any questions for Travis, any questions for myself, you know where you can go to do that. Printonamancast.com slash Facebook. Join the Facebook group. Are you, do you have family working for you? What's that dynamic like? Let us know because mm -hmm. we love hearing your guys' story. Um, and, you know, there was a – I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I should look real quick. The lady that posted a really nice message on our Facebook group recently oh, um, yeah. to us. I'm going to look real quick because it really was uh, – it, it was good to see and, and read because it's just further um, – proof of that we, we we did the right thing travis and i doing this podcast like we our, our hunch was correct uh, that there was so lindsey harrington yeah. um who thank posted you, a really nice message yeah thank you sweet. so much it was so sweet um and so I, I you know we encourage more stuff like that let us know what you think of the show let us know if you have questions let us know your story your journey because it helps us and maybe we can bring you on for a point of interest at some point so you can even share that story and let us know what you're doing, how you found the show, how it's helped you. Just kind of do a little interactive segment I think would be really, really fun. So again, printondemandcast.com slash Facebook is where you can go to join the conversation, the group, the community, the family, and we'd love to have you be a part. And of course, as always, iTunes, rate and subscribe. Uh, help our algorithm get to more people like Lindsay who need this information, who need this uh, insight that Travis and I are offering. And also, need the group insight that you guys yeah. offer and the camaraderie that that offers as well. Um, so rate and subscribe five stars, of course, for the dad jokes and the occasional uh, information and the <laughs> continual entertainment um, five stars <laughs> and a review. And of course we're on Google, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are, the POD cast is there for your benefit. Uh, so thank you guys so much again for listening for Travis in Colorado. I'm Josiah in Arkansas <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week right here on the Print On Demand cast. See ya. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Print On Demand cast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you've got a question or a suggestion for the show, send Travis and Josiah an email at info at 
take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to subscribe now so you don't miss next week's episode. See you next week. Because um, I think it'll, it'll help. Oh, getting a phone call. Hey, everybody. It's a uh, spam call. I'm going to just go ahead and... How do I... Oh, the... Well, maybe we'll take this out of the uh, podcast. Maybe we won't. Gosh, I even got the answering machine in there. And just like I thought, yep, it was a spam call and they didn't leave a message. Mm-hmm.